Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Hey there, 10 Minute Traders. Today on the podcast, I have a special guest again, uh, Allison Ostrander. It's been a while since we've had a chance to talk to her, but she is the Director of Risk Tolerance, and she's an options trader just like you and me. And we're going, very excited to have her on today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Yule. Thanks for having me. Oh, I, I, uh, I'm really excited to have you back on today. We were chatting a little bit beforehand about uh, Disney and Netflix and... Um, I, I spoke to another uh, interviewee a, a couple of weeks ago, and, and we talked about uh, the potentiality with what Disney's bringing to the table. And having been a subscriber since day one, because I'm a family man, I got two <laughs> little boys, uh, I am so blown away with the content that Disney brought to the table. It's like everything. I mean, we went in there, and, and they have one section where it's sorted by, by decade. It's got 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, everything mm -hmm. up, up to today. And then they've got like every movie, every short video, every cartoon they've ever made. And it's 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 almost overwhelming. <laughs> and, you know, like I say, as a family man, I don't control the remote. <laughs> but my kids have only been putting it on Disney Plus ever since then. And I think that's pretty telling, right? And, and I was telling my, my other guests that uh, this is going to save me a ton of money because we buy every movie that comes out. Now, everything's included yeah. with Disney Plus. And so I'm saving 60 plus dollars a month on, you know, all that. I, I've been a cord cutter for years at this point. But we buy every movie that comes out on my, my Apple TV box. And uh, it's going to save me a ton of money. So so what are you seeing out there in the world of Disney and Netflix? And, you know, what what does that look like to you? What's it setting up to be? Have you also had similar experiences? Uh, yes, I'm also a subscriber of Disney Plus, just full, <laughs> fully out there. Um, and it definitely does have a lot of content. It's been definitely nostalgic to go and dive in and see shows from my childhood, see stuff from uh, even before my time, and then, of course, current stuff. Uh, definitely looking at that Star Wars show that came out there, of course. But I must say that when I look at the content overall, it's definitely more family-oriented, I would say or people geared with kids in general because of the cartoons and because of what the content really is overall with Disney and what it's been known for, which is family content. In regards to, you know, more adult themed shows, if you will, or those with maybe a little bit darker humor or anything along the lines of that, that a person in high school to college and beyond might want to watch, uh, I don't see that content really on there for Disney. It's not to say that they might not still subscribe to it, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to take away from Netflix. So what was interesting to me is the day that Disney Plus came out, um, there was a dip in Netflix while Disney saw a nice move to the upside. Now, Disney's stayed to the upside since then, but Netflix has actually come back some and has started to 
try and move a little bit higher. And I think the reason for that is because once people really start to take a look at the content, they realize that this might be an add-on to the Netflix subscription rather than people cutting Netflix for specifically Disney+. Plus. Mm, well said, yeah. Uh, and, and that's where we're at in my house. Um, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm, I'm building companies and doing all this stuff. So, uh, I'm not the one who's pushing all the buttons, but, uh, you know, my wife, we've been cable cutters for years and she, she's all over the Hulu and all over the, the Netflix. And I can say without any question, there's zero chance she's going to cut those to go to Disney plus only. Uh, so yeah, we are definitely one of those households that has expanded. Right. Uh, but still, you know, Looking at Disney Plus, you also have to think of the flip side. I've been a cord cutter for years. My parents, uh, they're the older generation, obviously, and uh, they're my dad's retired. My mom's looking to retire in the next couple months, and they're cutting costs everywhere they can. Uh, they have had direct TV for decades at this point, really, since since it came out. Um, and, you know, they called up direct TV the other day, and they're like, listen, you got to lower our bill. Uh, there's nothing else to it. Like, I have a million different choices out there. You no longer have me captive for <laughs> yeah. my content. You know, what can you do for me? And of course, you know, they, they lowered their bill. It'll probably be for like six months and they'll go right back up to what it was. But still, you got to look on the flip side, right? Going in the out of the streaming wars between Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, uh, HBO Max. Um, you go you look on the other side of the other fray there, right? There's there's probably not a lot of opportunities left and the Dish Networks or uh, maybe even AT&T because they, they now own DirecTV. Are you looking at uh, at those for any possible plays as, as the opposite end of that spectrum? Well, I could see maybe certainly a downturn there. The thing about AT&T, of course, is that it's not just cable, right? We have phones, we have network, we have all the other services that it provides. So it might hurt a little bit of the business, um, but from what I've seen, it looks like DirecTV and stuff are trying to partner with HBO. They're trying to partner with Netflix to say, hey, if you buy this, you also get this subscription as well to try and entice and keep people on their service rather than completely cutting it out altogether. So I think that's definitely keeping some of the older generation around. And if they can keep cost effective, um, to where when you're adding on the cost of a Netflix subscription or an HBO Max subscription with it too, the breakdown of it all is the cable cost itself is kind of the same of a subscription cost. So you just get it in turn as a bundle overall, lock that in, and then that in turn is your entertainment bill for the month, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I saw somewhere that someone had actually like broken out a tally of everything. And when you when you include Hulu, Netflix, uh, Disney Plus, uh, Showtime, CBS, what else is there? HBO. There's probably six or eight more others. When you include all those, you know, it's it's well over a hundred dollars a month. Uh, so that's where you know the the cost savings has gone away. But then again, you have a lot more control, right? Like with me uh, with uh, HBO. Right. I uh, I got it for the Game of Thrones final season. <laughs> right. But once that's over, I'm out. I have no desire to be on there. Now, granted, I might go check out Silicon Valley last season. I, I, I enjoy that show. But, you know, I uh, I'm an in and out subscriber now versus, uh, you know, always being a subscriber to, uh, you know, a an entertainment bundle, I guess you could say. And I think that gives people a lot more power uh, for their own uh, expenses in that way. So, Allison, you, you mentioned earlier uh, 
you know, markets hitting all time highs and Amazon and, and maybe even a couple other names. What's on your radar right now? Um, well, I'm still watching in general SPX overall. Um, I still like this longer term to the upside. Whenever we retested lows back in 2018 going into 2019 at the end of the year, we went right down to lows that I had at um, a monthly level and a very nice support level that we've gone and tested back in 2015, 2016, as well as 2011 and 2012. And each time we've done that, we've kind of gone through a checklist of things that have matched up to this current pullback and move higher to where if we do continue to hold support, I think we're going to trend to the upside a little bit longer. Now, we do have the election next year, which could cause a little bit of choppiness, of course, and the trade deal and other global factors might be weighing on it. Uh, but to me, if we are finally coming to some sort of resolution, for example, with the trade deal in China, we do finally get some signature on this haunted line, if you will, and um, things are a go back in the global market in that case, that could be the catalyst for this bounce and this continuation, the trend to the upside. Do you so, actually uh, do you actually think we'll have a trade deal? <laughs> I'm now that I'm not holding my breath. On. I was I was thinking one might come to a resolution early on, uh, but the longer it was taking, the more I realized that this probably isn't going to happen anytime soon. So I'm I, not holding my breath. Oh, I agree with you. I I feel that this has definitely been uh, just you could think of it as like propaganda, you know, <laughs> to to continue to push along, push along. Um, and no real deal is ever going to to come out of it. Um, now, granted, if no deal comes out of it, uh, I think that's kind of a scary situation for the stock market because it has been, quote, built into it for the last three years, you know, China trade deal. And then it's it's funny on, on Twitter, I follow several people and they'll they'll pull out a headline from a year ago. And it's exactly what the same headline is today. Trade deal, you know, 60 days away or anything like that. Uh, I just don't. I don't think it's going to happen. And this close to an election, um, I think it's really unlikely that China's like, well, you know, let's go all in where we are with uh, with Trump, um, especially given, you know, all the the negative appeal that Trump brings to the table, uh, you know, with with voters and everything. So, yeah, I, I'm interested to, to watch that. So tell me about Amazon. What are you what are you looking at with Amazon? Well, Amazon is certainly has been gearing up for a slight pullback that we've seen recently. Um, but on the weekly chart, we're actually right near the 100 period simple moving average around that 1700 psychological level. So that's the key level I'm currently watching right now. If we're able to hold that as support, the last few times that we've gone and tested it, we've usually seen a nice bounce to the upside. So I'm looking for something to follow through or at least a bounce up back into some resistance levels. Um, maybe a little bit more consolidation. But overall, I think we'll continue to hold that 100-period simple moving average and ideally see a continuation in Amazon to the upside. All right. You're, you're bullish on the markets, it sounds like. I am bullish. Now, I'm definitely watching the technicals. If it breaks that 100-period simple moving average, then I'm looking at call oh, credit rough. spreads. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm looking at it and we'll play it to the downside. I will let my technicals tell me what the market is doing rather than trying to put my influence on it. But what I'm seeing in my technicals right now is that if it can hold support, things are looking bullish to me still. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. So uh, that, that, that reminds me of, uh, of my friend, Steve Burns. Uh, he and I chat on a decently normal frequent basis. And, you know, he talks a lot about, you know, simple moving averages and crossovers and things like that. And he's like, don't try to predict anything. Right. 
if there's a trend, if it's going in this direction, just ride it. You know, don't don't be a market caller because you know 50% of the time you're you're mm-hmm. you're wrong, and and if you uh, well probably less than 50% of the time you're you're right. Uh, but if you get that one, you know, if you if you call it nine times out of ten, but you get it right one time, then you can hang your head on that and say, hey, look, I uh, <laughs> I called it right this one time. You know, I, I predicted the crash or whatever. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense to to follow the technicals there. Well said. So uh, what what parting words do you have uh, for the podcast audience out there, right? Where where we're looking at all time highs, we're coming into elections. You know what uh, what words of wisdom could you give to uh, to the audience? Well, I would say in regards to the all time highs that. Sometimes people get nervous trading at these levels. They anticipate that it's going to be a bearish move to the downside or really start to hedge their portfolio to the downside. And just a reminder I like to tell myself in general is that it only takes a penny to make a new all-time high. So don't be scared of all-time highs because you can continue to trickle higher and still see them continue to occur. In regards to being concerned about a pullback, instead of maybe hedging your account immediately to the downside, don't have as much invested. I'm very much um, aware of my risk. It's one of the roles I have here at Simpler Trading. It's definitely been my focus as a trader for a long time. And so if you keep overall capital risk in your account manageable, if you have some in reserve to always pay yourself with if you're looking at doing this as a business or to have on the side in case something a bit more drastic happens and you have capital to put into the puts, I think that's a safer way to go because then you're not losing sleep at night. You're not concerned about a pullback because you know you have money in reserve and you're not necessarily fully invested in your account. Hmm. Well said. All right, Allison, this has been a real pleasure. Uh, I'm glad to have you back on. It's been been quite a while. So thank you so much for coming back on the podcast today. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much. I had a lot of fun. So where can people reach out to you at if they have questions or to learn more about Simpler Trading? Uh, they can find definitely find me at simplertrading.com. I am there in the options room, a part of the options membership. Um, and you can find me there or in the training room as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And thank you guys for tuning in to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Do me a favor real quick. Make sure you like and subscribe or head on over to iTunes and leave a rating or review and, you know, enable notifications because I never want you to miss any of the tools, tips and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. Hey, did you realize that you could get the secret weapon that every investor needs right now to start changing your financial future for free? Yeah, that's right. Just head on over to triplestockprofits.com and download your free Triple Stock Profit System ebook today. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, who is content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. 
Tim and StockTrader.com and Chris Triul are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit timinastocktrader.com slash legal. Thanks for stopping by.